Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Amen. Thank you, worship team, for leading us in worship. Amen. Didn't they do a great job? Give them a hand. Come on. They do a great job every single Sunday and coming here really early so that we can enjoy the worship as we do every Sunday here in church. Well, it's a real pleasure to have uh, Pastor Elio and Pastor Mickey Morocco with us uh, this morning. Uh, For those that don't know them, they are the lead pastors of New Life Church in Toronto, Canada, a church that's ministering to over 800 people on a weekly basis. Um, Pastor Elio uh, was the lead pastor of this church uh, for uh, 20, 21 years. He was also the overseer uh, of the Christian churches in Australia, the movement that we belong to, and for a period of time, uh, he was also uh, the overseers of the uh, Canadian Assemblies of God. He's an author and uh, ministers in different countries of the world. He's been a great friend, a spiritual mentor, and I thank God for his incredible input into my life. And no matter how, how far away they actually are, Uh, they always remain the spiritual parents of this church. Uh, Part of their heart is here, uh, and actually a big part is here, and they will always remain uh, connected to us um, as a church. We stand today uh, on the sacrifices that they have made uh, previously, but not only them, but also the previous leaders uh, of this church. We stand on the back of them, and we thank God for their sacrifices, uh, their commitment to the kingdom of God. Uh, Pastor Elia is a great minister of the Word of God, and I know that you're going to be blessed today as you hear the Word. But before he comes, I'm just going to ask uh, uh, Pastor Mickey to come and just uh, give a greeting uh, to the church. Give her a hand as she comes. Thank you, Pastor Joe. Well, it's so good to be here with you this morning. As Pastor Joe said, you know, we, we were here 21 years um, ministering in this, uh, in this place and in this church. And during those years, we moved from what used to be Queen Street, uh, that the church that we all grew up in, those of us that are of that age group, uh, we moved to, to here. And uh, it was an amazing time. And back in 1994, when we moved here, we had a look at the, um, the mechanic place and also the the bakehouse, thank you, the bakehouse. And we just had wishful thinking, thinking that one day maybe, just maybe, we will uh, own all of this, the whole quarters. Well, lo and behold, guess what? You guys have done it and give yourselves a hand. It's so thrilling for us to come, every time we come, that we see such growth, such an amazing, amazing growth. And this has all got to do with God's hand is upon this house. There's no question about that. And, you know, uh, there's, a, there's a verse in the scriptures that says, the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. And we can apply that also to a church. The steps of a good church is ordered of the Lord. And, you know, that's not because there's other, there are no other good churches. There are, and thank God for them. But God's hand is on this church as well. So all the progress, all that you have been able to do is wonderful. But there's a purpose for that. It's not so that you can just enjoy it and say, wow, we're proud of ourselves. No, it's because this church has a lot to offer to this city. And you are very, very uh, needed in this location so that you can shine God's light throughout the city. So don't ever put yourselves down. Don't ever 
ever think that, you know, we're just little old Adelaide. No, you're not little old Adelaide. You are very, very special and you need to make a difference in this location, in this city, at this time of life. God bless you for all your efforts. Amen. It's a joy to be with you today. I treasure the, the relationship with this church and with Pastor John and the team. And I believe God has great things in store for all of us in the days to come. Um, <clears throat> God has been doing great things with us in Toronto. We'll give God the glory. We went through some of challenges beside COVID, but God has rescued us. And the church is doing uh, extremely well and very strong. Um, I, every time I come, as Pastor Mickey said, we see growth here. We see excellence. We see unity. Uh, there's, there's purpose in what you're doing. Um, and um, you, you would be one of the best churches in the world uh, if only people knew. And there's a great presence of God in this place. One of the most important things is the tangible presence of God. And you've got it in this place. Just before I start preaching, I'm sensing God, I need to do this. Um, how many people would want this church to double? I know Pastor John doesn't want it to double because there's extra work. <laughs> but we cannot stop the work of the Holy Spirit. How many want to see this church double? Put your hand up. Now, it's not going to happen by itself. I strongly believe there's thousands of people that would be here today if only they knew. Because I strongly believe people are looking for God more than ever. There's a spiritual hunger. Except people have been hurt by the church and been disappointed by offenses and, and church people, and they not looking to the church. They're looking to spirituality without the church. But the Bible says that there is a, 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 a gracious God. There are seeking souls, and you need a willing worker. So this church could double overnight if every one of you was committed to bring one soul to Jesus. One. One. It would double. It means you, one person, double. I want you to stand with me and I want you to believe for 2023 that every one of you is going to bring one soul to Jesus. One. Every one of you is going to bring one soul to Jesus. There are some of you that in all your Christian life you never brought one person to Jesus. Now, I don't want to shame you, neither do I want to condemn you, but all you need to do is pray that God will lead you to someone and get them to come into the kingdom. Be a willing worker. That's your responsibility. Your responsibility is not to force people. Your responsibility is not to change people. Your responsibility is to be 
surrender to the Holy Spirit and allow him to do the work of grace through you and bring one soul to Jesus. Lift your hands as I pray. Believe God for one more soul that you're going to bring to Jesus. Father, I pray in faith to you. Father, you are so gracious. You want the whole world to be saved. And I pray in the name of Jesus that each one of us, 2023, we're going to bring one more to you, Father. In Jesus' name, let it be released in the heavenly, Lord. Let it be released in the spirit, Lord. We take uh, by faith one more soul, Lord. And we give you glory. One more soul ripped out of the kingdom of darkness, brought into the kingdom of your dear son. Father, thank you for leading us in 2023 to reach out to one more soul. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Praise God. Please be seated. I, I, I got hundreds of sermons that I could have preached, but the Lord has led me to this one, Holy Bible series, and I'm going to preach one of my sermons that I preached in January, why the Bible can be trusted. You see, it's my firm belief, if the devil can get us to doubt God's word, we're going to be done. If you doubt God's word, you're done. Because our faith is based upon God's word. Uh, everything that we do in life is based upon God's word. When we, when we doubt God's word, we doubt everything that we are in God. Where do you find out about God? In the Bible. Where do you find out about the Holy Spirit? In the Bible. Where do you find out about the miraculous? In the Bible. Where do you find out what life is all about? In the Bible. The Bible is the foundation of everything that we are. And that's why the devil is fighting it more than ever today. That's why the secular society is fighting the Bible. Uh, I'll say a little bit more as we get along. And so the word Bible means the book. If you have your outline, you can follow me. I'll try to cover all the points. Um, I'll do my best to preach this whole sermon. It's an hour and a half sermon. So I've got to tie it in. Um, and I'll follow, I'll follow the, the outline. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light. For my path. That's God's word. Colossians 3.16 says. Let the message about Christ. In all its richness. Fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other. With all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns. And spiritual songs to God. With thankful heart. The Lord Jesus said. Matthew 24.35. Heaven and earth will disappear. But my words will never disappear so jesus said that god's word will live forever and i'm gonna give you seven convincing truths about god's word uh, during the years i've collected various uh, notes from different apologists and this sermon is based upon some of the collections that i've done in the last 40 years bible can be trusted why can i trust the bible uh, if everything else fails, why can I trust the Bible? Number one, because it is historically accurate. There are many things in the Bible that are not humanly possible, but with God, all things 
are possible. There's a story. <clears throat> a young girl wrote a paper on the story of Jonah. And Jonah in the belly of a while. A professor asked the young girl, why did you do that? And the girl answered, because I believe in it. The professor said, what if it's not true? The young girl answered, well, when I get to heaven, I will ask him. The professor said, what if, what if he did not go to heaven, but he went to hell? Well, the girl said, well, then you will ask him. <laughs> Was that a good joke, Pastor John? <laughs> Pastor Mickey says, I usually file on jokes. How many of you thought that's an amazing joke? Psalm, Psalm 33, 4 says, For the word of the Lord holds true, and we can trust everything he does. The words of the Lord holds true. How can we prove that something is accurate? You know, isn't it interesting? If I said, I believe in Julius Caesar, I get up in a class at university, and I, I believe in Julius Caesar, no one would doubt that. There will not be a sense of doubt in the room. But if I get up and say, I believe in Jesus Christ. What do you mean you believe in Jesus? They can't understand that just as historically you can prove that Julius Caesar lived, historically you can prove that Jesus lived. But although we can prove historically that Jesus lived, we doubt that truth. And that's happening in our society without knowing they are doubting historical truths about the Bible, just because it's in the Bible. Also, I did first year university history, and they, and I, and they used to make us read um, uh, uh, documentation of history. All the books that you read, it's all, uh, it's all worked in with biases and opinions, because history comes from documents. History is not written exactly the way you read it. It comes from documentation. And then someone puts it together. Uh, just like you put history together from documentations, there's documentations of the Bible that you put together. But we choose not to believe the historical documentations of the Bible. And yet the Bible is historically, historically uh, accurate. How can you prove that something is accurate? I, I quickly got through this. Are they eyewitnesses accounts? And there's eyewitnesses accounts about the Bible. While it was being written, the people were alive. So they, they, they were there to testify. B, is it recorded and copied with extreme cure? Uh, care. Um, uh, no one is more precise than the Jewish people. No one is more precise than the Jewish people. They used to copy the Bible accurately. Uh, point C is the archaeological confirmation. There's hundreds and hundreds of archaeological confirmation about the Bible. When uh, secular history says, oh, there's this in the Bible and we can't find anything in the archaeological world, they usually discover something and it, and it proves that the Bible is God's word. Now, not only the Bible is historically accurate, point two, it is scientifically accurate. 
How many times do we hear he said, we must trust science? And by the way, evolution is not science. Evolution is a belief system. You tell your friends that. Evolution is a belief system. It cannot be proven scientifically. Uh, they start with a theory and now they're saying, yeah, this is true. No, it's still a theory. It's not proven. I still have not seen anyone from a monkey become a man. So until I see it, I'm not going to believe it. And so uh, we trust science. Science is what you can prove before your eyes. Science is what you can repeat again and again and again and again. That's science. And science may evolve, but truth stays the same. Same. Because science, we, we, we keep on learning and, and we keep on discovering new things in our world. Psalm 145 says, Let every created thing give praise to the Lord, for he issued, he issued his command and they came into being. He set them in place forever and ever. His decree will never be revoked. Many science books are obsolete today. When I did third year high school, there was one galaxy. There are, there are thousands of galaxies. It's been discovered now. And so we only talked about the solar system. Um, and many science books had to be rewritten because we keep on discovering new things. For many years, people used to believe that the earth was flat. Uh, David Dreyer, uh, historian, says that Copernicus believed... Beliefs contradicted the church tradition and doctrine. And that included the Catholic Church. Now, people talk about Christians and they say, Oh, well, you Christians are, are backwards. You used to believe that, that the, the earth was flat. It wasn't the Christian that believed that. It was the religious system that believed that. Because especially the Catholic Church had, uh, was founded upon traditions. And they were following traditions of men, and they, and they couldn't bring themselves to believe that the, the earth, uh, the people had discovered that the earth was, was not flat. And they were also involved in, uh, in uh, Aristotle philosophy and, and so on during the years. I don't have time to go in details. But all, all the people had to do is go back 2,600 years before in Isaiah, where the Bible says, the Bible wrote this and about the earth. God sits above the circle of the earth. The people below seem like grasshoppers to him. He spreads out the heavens like a curtain and makes his tent from them. So circle of the earth in Hebrew means sphere. That's where you get the word sphere. And where we get also the word globe. So the Bible always said that the earth was not flat. Although people of the time, including the religious system, was, was keeping, keeping or reaffirming the earth was flat. But it was not God who said that. Another wrong belief that was held about uh, 4,000 years, for 4,000 years was that the earth had to be held up. And so in the Greek mythology, Atlas is a superman condemned to hold up the heavens or the sky for eternity. The Hindus believed that the earth was on the back of an elephant 
of elephants who sat on the back of a sea turtle, who in turn sat on the back of the sea serpent. The Egyptians, they believed that the earth was held by five pillars. All you had to do is go to the book of Job. Job 26.7. God stretches the northern sky over empty space and hangs the earth on nothing. Uh, that's that's uh, scientifically proven today. How did Job know? Well, either God revealed it to him or Job just wrote it. Uh, although he didn't fully understand what he was writing. Let me give you another myth of the day. It was believed forever that the number of stars could be counted. Eparchus compiled the first accurate catalog of the naked eye stars. And he counted 1,022 stars. A few years after, uh, Triptopolis... He counted two more stars, 1,026 stars. How many stars are in the universe? Google says there are approximately 200 billion trillion stars in the universe. That's that number. Have you got it? Put that number up. Where's, where's my PowerPoint? Are you guys with me? That's... That's the number of zeros. I don't know how to, 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 to count that number of zeros. But the number is so big that it's hard to imagine. All they had to do is go to Jeremiah. Jeremiah 33, 22. And as the stars of the sky cannot be counted, and the sand of the seashore cannot be measured, so I will multiply the descents of my servant, David and the Levites who minister before me. Psalm 147. He counts the stars and calls them all by name. That's why God is amazing, truly amazing. He can count trillions and trillions of, of stars and he knows the name of them all. The Bible can be trusted, number three, because it's prophetically accurate. There are more than 1,000 predictions in Scripture. Of these, 300 about Jesus Christ. Of these predictions, uh, they're not just superficial generalizations like the few the Nostradamus has made, which are a joke. And the mass media and the secular society keeps on quoting these few predictions that Nostradamus has, has made. The Bible talks about Jesus riding on a donkey. Hundreds of years before he was prophesied, he would be spat upon. His beard would be pulled. None of his bones broken. Born in Bethlehem, grew up in Nazareth, escaped to Egypt. These were specific prophecies about Jesus Christ. And they were not superficial. They were very detailed. This is why we believe that God wrote the Bible. There is no way you could predict such precise prophecies as a mere person. Probability of, of prophecies fulfilled. There was study made. Maybe you've heard this before, but let me tell you again. The chance that any person like Jesus could come and fulfill eight prophecy is one times ten to the hundred and uh, to the seventeenth power. That's the chance, chance factor that one person could come and fulfill 
eight prophecies. Jesus Christ fulfilled 300 prophecies. Now, if you lie, um, Stoner suggests that if we take one, one in 10 to the 17th power, $2 coins, 100 quadrillions of them, and you lie them on the face of South Australia, a total area of about 450,000 square kilometers. And so don't show 27. That's, I made that for Canada. And so you take South Australia, you lie silver, silver coins, uh, and then now mark one of those silver dollars and stir the whole mess thoroughly, blindfold the person, and tell him he can travel as far as he wishes, but he must pick up that one marked silver dollar. That's the chance that someone could come and fulfill eight prophecies. Just the same chance. Go, go, to, go now to... Uh, fulfilling 16 prophecies out of the 300. What is the chance factor? It's one in 10 to the 157th power. And that's the number of zeros, slide 30. Have you got it? That's the number, number of zeros. Now, it's an impossibility. It's, it's mind-boggling. That number is so vast that our mind cannot conceive it. I had an exercise for that, but I'm going to go jump it to go. We don't have time to go through that. So Professor Peter Stoner concludes, quote 33, any person who rejects Christ as the Son of God is rejecting a fact proved perhaps more absolutely than any other fact in the world. So your belief in Jesus is not a step in the dark like they want us to believe. Oh, you, you Christians just believe anything. You're just stepping in the dark. It's, it, it, it's, it's not possible. No, what we're believing is fact. Now, it's, it's difficult to understand the fact that God became man. That's not easy to understand. That Jesus Christ is very God and very man. That's a mystery. And a mystery is not something that is not true. A mystery is something that is true, but is difficult to understand and put into human, human words. That's a mystery. The virgin birth is a mystery. And because I cannot understand it and explain it, then I don't believe it. That's secular world. They don't believe anything that is a mystery. But yet it's a fact. And you believe it. Anything about God... It's difficult to understand. How can, can you understand? In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. That's a mystery. Where does God come from? I don't know. And yet God is real. God is true. And God gave us a book, the Bible. God, God, the, the Bible is God's love letter to us. 
The Bible is not a book to try to make us feel guilty. The Bible is not a book to make us feel dirty and sinful. The Bible is a book that leads us to Jesus Christ, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. The Bible is a book that leads us to life and true life. The Bible is a book that leads us to purpose. There needs to be purpose for life to be useful and, and enjoyable and filled with peace and joy. And so 2 Peter 1.21, the Bible says, Peter said, above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. That's the Bible. The Bible is true. The Bible is God's word. And Jesus said, Matthew 26, 56. But this is all happening to fulfill the words of the prophets as recorded in all scriptures. And, and so the Bible is accurately, prophetically. Point number four. Bible can be trusted because it is thematically unified. Thematically unified. The Bible was written over a period of 1,600 years in dozens of countries or on three continents by 40 people in three different languages. How did they get the exact same story? That's the miracle of the Bible. Get me 40 architects, 1,600 years span, uh, different parts of the world. Will they come up with the same design? Impossible. Never happen. The Bible is unified. The theme of the Bible is Jesus Christ. The truth in the Bible is Jesus Christ. Don't look for the minors in the Bible. Look for the central message of the Bible. Jesus Christ. And you know the Quran was written by one person, Muhammad. And it's interesting, he quotes Jesus. Um, the, the, the Bible had, had already been, been in circulation for 300 years. Why would God need another revelation? The, the Muslims say that's God's lightest revel, revelation to man is the, the book of the Quran. And the Bible had already been in circulation for 300 years. And that was the final revelation that God gave to man. The writings of Confucius was one person. The writings of Buddha, one person. Very objective, opinionated. No checks and balances. The Bible is written by 40 different authors coming together uh, with one unified theme. In different era, different parts of history, different nations. One theme, and the theme of the Bible is Jesus Christ. Luke 24, 27 says, Then Jesus, talking to the two disciples on the way to Emmaus, Jesus took them through the writing of Moses and all the prophets explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. All the Old Testament, every book of the Old Testament talks about Jesus. And Jesus did it with the disciples on the way to Emmaus. Number five, the Bible can be trusted because it is trusted by Jesus. If Jesus trusts the Bible, I trust the Bible. Matthew 5, 18, I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. Someone said, if you believe what you like in the Bible, but don't believe what you don't like, 
It is not the Bible that you trust, but yourself. You have created a religion about you. This is why Jesus said in John 8, 31, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. Number six, the Bible can be trusted because it has survived all attacks right through history. This begs the question, why was the Bible attacked in the first place? If it's just another book, why bother with it? But the Bible is not another book. The Bible is the book. God's word. And people are afraid of the Bible. They, they fear the Bible. Hey, let me read the Bible. No, no, don't, no, no, I'm not going to. They're almost afraid that, that they're going to be bewitched when you read the Bible to them. And that's the way they, they, they see the Bible in a, in a superstitious way. But the Bible is God's word and it changes your heart. It, I challenge you. If there are people here today, you've never started reading the Bible, read the Bible. If you don't believe what people are saying about the Bible, read it yourself and see what it will do to you. Uh, the Bible has endured all the attacks through history. Um, First Peter got to slide 48. First Peter 1, 24, 25. People are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of the Lord remains forever. Words of the Lord remains forever. So here are the questions we must answer to ourselves. Will I attack God's word or live by it? Will I deconstruct God's word or defend it? Will I follow the world or the word? In all the years I've been preaching, by the grace of God, I've, I've proclaimed nothing but the word. You know, when they asked Jesus about divorce, Jesus did not say, hey, by the way, my opinion is. I usually, when people come to me and say, Oh, pastor, my opinion. I said, just let's stop there a minute. I really couldn't care being about your opinion. <laughs> and people in society, you talk with your friends. They so easily say, oh, I believe, you know, I believe that this is the way. And I'm saying, well, well you know nothing. What, believe what? What are you telling me? I believe. Every one of us should be saying, what does God's word say? That's my belief system. I'm founded on the word of God. On the foundation of God's word. So when Jesus was asked about divorce, he said, what did, the, what did God intend at the beginning? What was the intent of God? So society is changing everything. The law is changing. You know, it's interesting that you can have a, a particular case, and if the judges are left-wing, that case will take a certain stand. If the judges are right-wing, they take another stand. So where's the truth in all of that? It, it's no more truth now. It's all about philosophy, and the, the strongest argument wins. But it's not truth. Jesus said, Talking to the Father, John 17, your word is truth. 
So as pastors, we deal with topics and circumstances every day. What makes the job of a pastor very difficult is there are people that come to church and they have more new age, more secularism than biblical truth. And so they're forever arguing, but their argument is based upon secularism and new age and what the society and the majority are doing. But it's not necessarily based upon the truth of God's word. I tell you what a pastor loves to hear. Pastor, tell me, how, how can I go with this? How can I go with that? I will listen to what you're going to tell me. Listen, I'm not too sure what the Bible says. Can you, can you refresh my memory? What does the Bible say? And then at the end, the person says, thank you, pastor. I'm so glad you enlightened me. I'm going to follow it. Part of me says no, but I know it's God's truth. I am going to follow truth of God's word. There are so many topics today in society. So many topics. I can't mention to them in case the media comes and gets me. There's so many topics. You ought to ask yourself the question, what does God say? What does God say? What is the intent of God? Psalm 139, we've been created by God just the way we are. God made you the way you are. And God knew exactly what he was making from before the foundation of the world. God decided to make you. Out of, out of millions of sperm, one got fertilized and, and it happened to make you. You are wonderfully made by God Almighty. And so society is trying to change what God has made. Thy word is truth. You want to find freedom? Embrace the word of God. You want to find life? Embrace the word of God. Don't doubt God's word. Don't try to change God's word. Uh, people, people go through... through uh, uh, through researchers upon researchers to try to get the Bible to agree with them. Don't try to get the Bible to agree with you. You agree with the Bible. Get yourself in the word of truth. I don't want to change the Bible. I want to change the Bible to change me. That brings me to the last point. Point seven. The Bible can be trusted because it has life-changing power. Life-changing power. I tell you, John 8, 32, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. As a pastor, I've seen people coming to church, sit in the same spot week after week, and slowly I've seen them, their face started to change as they're reacting to the truth of God's word positively, they started to change. Um, some people, I used to do altar calls every service, and some people have questioned me, Pastor Ellie, how come you don't do altar calls every service? Because uh, times are changing, and you change with times. The Bible never changes, methods change. It's okay to change methods. Because I'm of this opinion now. Because people are more intellectual, more educated, uh, 
you have to allow the Holy Spirit to do the work of grace so that they never think you're trying to manipulate them. And so I see people change as they open themselves to God's truth. When I preach, I love to preach God's word, not my opinion, not a great sermon, nicely put together. I like to allow the Holy Spirit to use me and then to allow the word that he allows me to speak to change people's lives. What will change you today is not my words, but God's word will change you because God's word is transformational. It transforms people's lives. And one of, one of the things that I've seen, uh, I've seen in, uh, in the church many times, people, especially those who are not called, they like the church to be like a coffee house. Oh, let's just have a coffee together. Let's just discuss our opinions. Oh, what's your opinion? Well, uh, you know, and, and we discuss opinions. People don't like preaching. And preaching is being used of God. The word of God preached changes lives, prepares the heart for the next step, brings you into the reality of God's word. So be careful not to follow ideas of men. Preaching, teaching, exhortation from God's word are things that are changing the church today. And we need it more than ever. That's why you're flourishing, because you're basing your belief on God's word. Pastor just strongly believes in God's word, in the, in, the, in the power of the word to change you. He spends hours studying and getting into the word. Uh, I know very little, very few people that would study like Pastor Joe. And that's the success of this church because God's word is transformational. So let's accept the word of God. Let's believe the word of God. Let's read the word of God. Let's study the word of God. I, 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 I love to go through uh, the one year Bible on, on Bible app. And when I finish it, I got through another one. I never tire from reading God's word because God's word is what changes my life and puts me on the right path and keeps me from sin and keeps me in the presence of God every day. Father, thank you for the amazing preaching of your word. Father, thank you for the lives of all these people today. I pray, Father. If perchance there might be people that never given their life to you today, might they make a decision today. Might they accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. Might they give Jesus a chance today. Father, thank you for changing us, transforming us. We love you forever. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. What a great word. Uh, what a great treatise on the scriptures, why we believe the Bible is the word of God. The Bible says that um, God's word is a lamp unto, for our feet and a guide for our paths. Nothing greater than God's word to guide us and to lead us through the complexities of life. And so I want to encourage you, get, get stuck into the word like never before. As Pastor Elio said, uh, read the word of God. Um, the word has no power on the shelf. <laughs> Some people go to sleep with the Bible because there's some magic about the Bible. No, we need to, Psalmist David said, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. 
So I want to encourage you, get a, get a hold of the Word. I, I've said many times, I start the beginning of the day with one chapter, finish the day with a chapter. And I start in Genesis, go to Revelation, and then start again from the Revelation and go right through. Whatever system you've got, some of you've got the shotgun approach. You know, you just open it up. What's, what's God got for me today? Uh, it's bad when it opens up in Leviticus, though. That's always not going to be a good day in Leviticus. But, you know, whatever approach you've got, just saturate yourself in the Word of God because it will change you by His grace and for His glory. So, fuck, we just thank you for your grace. and We thank you for the power of your Word. We thank you that we're not alone. We have your word that leads, guides, it convicts us, corrects us, it protects us from harm. Be glorified. I pray that this church would always be a church that's grounded and founded on your word. We love you so much, Lord God. Be glorified in and through our lives, we pray, and we ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. If you would like prayer, as always. Uh, Pastor Elio, Pastor Mickey will be here. They'd love to pray with you. Feel free to come forward and, and they'll pray for you. God bless you. You have an awesome week in Jesus' name.